You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 388 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, February the 19th, and I am joined by my friend, Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Brad. I am doing well. Always nice to do one of these with you. And hey, partner, it is officially almost baseball season. Maybe not officially baseball season yet, but officially almost baseball season. Yeah, I think you're probably safe with the officially almost tag there and uh, I was going to throw a curveball at the top of the podcast we're recording the show about 6 30 p.m on Sunday and uh, just moments ago your nemesis Jeff Passan of ESPN broke massive baseball news and it is that old friend Elvis Andrews who I know some beat writers and us talked about earlier in the winter as a potential sleeper option for the Braves he is not coming to the Braves however a one-year three million dollar deal with the White Sox to play second base so that's not on our rundown for today's show but uh, number one, it was an actual transaction on February 19th. And number two, it's like semi, semi, semi Braves related because uh, he was a name that was bandied about with some level of seriousness and really kind of the last shortstop that was available. So if you were still holding out hope of a Von Grissom replacement at shortstop, it's not coming out, I don't think. No, I, I suppose there's an, a world where maybe a trade happens over the next month if something goes sideways. But as you noted, I think... Um, you know, Andrews is really the final shortstop option, or at least better than Arcia option in free agency. Um, so let's hope, uh, you know, the Braves all winter long have been consistent with their praise for Von Grissom and the work he has put in. I think we were all a little uh, weary of it and wondering if it might just be smoke from the front office to try to help with positioning with uh, with free agents or on the trade market, but clearly the Braves have not done anything. Um, and it's going to be, I think, pretty clearly the number one storyline of the spring for this club is Vaughn at shortstop. Let's hope he can, at the very least, play solid defense. And I, I think we're in agreement the bat is going to play. Uh, but all eyes on those two. And, and but yes, I'm glad, uh, God, I don't know if I could have handled the freak out if the Braves would have signed Andrews because it was bad a couple of months ago. It was. And uh, to your point a second ago, we I think you put out kind of a mailbag-ish call on the podcast a few hours ago on Twitter. And I think like half the responses were about Vaughn Grissom. We're not going to do Vaughn Grissom talk today. We, we talked about Vaughn a lot and we're going to talk about him even more coming uh, coming up in the coming weeks. So 
Uh, we're not ignoring Von Grissom, I promise you, but that's our Von, Gr- our Von Grissom mention for the day. He obviously is a big storyline, and uh, we'll do a sort of lineup preview. He'll be a big part of it. We talked about Von a lot. Uh, the bat is not really concerned to either one of us. The glove might be a concern, but as you said, Ron Washington and Brian Snicker, they're all talking him up in a big way, so hopefully that is enough to get the Braves uh, where they, where they kind of have to be at shortstop. Um, you kind of mentioned it at the top, but you know it's Spring training is basically here now. Pitchers and catchers reported last week. I talked to Zach Dillard on the show. So if you missed it, that was a fun interview that I did with Zach, who covers the Braves extensively at Valley Sports South and Southeast. He was going to Northport. He is still there right now covering spring training. And we sort of did a, a kind of overarching preview on that episode. But the full team is going to report, you know, tomorrow as we're recording this. So Monday is the time when everybody kind of has to be there unless they have a reason not to be. It seems like everyone's... uh Pretty much there. Uh, I know you kind of noticed one, I think, between you and Steven, you noticed someone who's not there. Do you want to reveal who that is as the sort of big name player who has not reported to this point? Uh, Marcelo Zuno, very surprisingly, has not shown up. I mean, to be fair, he's a veteran. He's done spring training for a decade now and probably isn't jonesing to go down to Florida for a week or for a month and a half. But it, it was encouraging. It's always great to see the guys showing up. And I, but I do think other than Ozuna, and maybe Eddie Rosario. I can't recall if I saw anything from Eddie this week, but it seems like most of the guys were down in Florida by even before last week, and they're itching to go. Yeah, and honestly, we are not always hesitant to uh, pile on Marcelo Zuna, but I don't, I don't care in a bad way uh, that he's not there yet. Like you said, he is a veteran. I know it would be better PR if he showed up early and tried, you know, scratch and claw. But you know, I don't have a problem with guys not you know, showing up when they're supposed to. If he's late, that's something that's something different. But he's not late right now. Um, of note, I actually heard a radio interview with Alex Anthopoulos this week on 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta, which I'm sure Scott did not hear because he's not in Atlanta. And it's not, it wasn't even on the flagship. I'm surprised Alex did. I'm honestly surprised Alex went on the radio with a non-flagship network. Anyway, he said about Ozuna, he was asked about him. He said he's going to come in and compete. No surprise there. He said his bat will determine his playing time, which I was encouraged by. And then also... The quote that I think is not exact, it's more of a paraphrase for me, but he basically said they're going to go with the best players at all times, no matter what the contract says and what the what the prospect status says. So that's what you say if you're the GM, but also it did seem kind of targeted to me and listening to it and you know even reading it back in my notes. Like it seems like at least from the top down, they're not going to mandate Ozuna play, which is all we can really ask for at this point. Yep. No, it's encouraging. And Anthopolis did a radio interview or rather a podcast interview with Buster Olney and had some interesting comments as well about the roster. I don't have them off the top of my head and I had not heard the the local radio interview, uh, but I, I think it's fair. And if you look at this team, there's 26 spots on the roster. I think probably 22, maybe 23 of them are set in stone and accounted for. And then it's just kind of these last few spots and it's, it's going to be up to Marcel and frankly, everyone in camp, but for a guy like Marcel, he has the money. He's, you know, he's had a nice career on the field. It's really up to him. And it's easier said than done. If it was easy to go out there and hit 300, he would go and do it. But that, that wasn't interesting. As you said, it's, it's about, it's what you expect Anthopolis to say, but it's also a little pointed, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, they're not just going to say, hey, Brad's making $18 million this year. We're <laughs> going to have him on the podcast no matter what he does. Um, do you make $18 million a year doing this, Brad? I don't, sadly. I'm, 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 a, little bit, my, I'm, a, little, I'm a little short of that. Uh, I'm still I'm on my rookie deal. Hopefully I was going to say rookie, rookie minimum is uh, a lot more than we make for this podcast. But no, it's 
like you said, it, it's uh, interesting because he just kind of talked about him like uh, like a player on the team. And look, that's that's a whole other discussion about all the off-field stuff. But like as far as him being on the team, he's making a lot of money through, by the way, 2024. This is not his last year of his contract. There's one more year after this. But and he talked and, and more extensively, uh, people could probably find the interview and uh, and listen to the whole thing. But number one, there's the beauty of local radio and that they actually asked him about this. Like the thing you don't get about if I was doing a national show, they're not going to spend five minutes on Ozuna, if that makes sense. Like it's going to be more big picture topics locally. That's a, it's a real topic as people were obviously listening to this podcast, but no. But, you know, he basically said, look, there's rep- there's his reputation and his performance at the plate. And like he wasn't hiding from the fact that Ozuna, his value comes from the bat. If, and if he's not hitting, he didn't say this flatly, but the the feel that I got was like, if he's not hitting, he can't play, which is obviously true from the outside looking in but um it definitely did not seem like he was tiptoeing around it which all which is kind of all you could ask for at this point anyway that's uh a kind of a pseudo storyline because he's not there but i wouldn't worry too much unless he doesn't show up on monday and then we'll come back to that later on uh the first spring game is what like less than a week away they play on saturday that's yeah. uh that's coming and i i have made fun of it in the past i don't really particularly love spring training baseball but games are better than not games this the uh, my least favorite part is the this week of like Tuesday through Friday when they're not even playing games and it's like breathless talk about workouts like that that I can't stand but once once they're playing games on Saturday at least there's something to pay attention to even if we all wish there were more of them on TV I'll just say that yeah and I mean it's funny there was a great clip of Matt Olson walking up to camp one morning and the dude clearly just got off the golf course like he was <laughs> oh, yeah. in his golf polo I mean he might have had his golf cleats still on I mean, he, he was just rolling right in. Um, yeah, for the veterans in particular, they're getting their work in. They're getting their, you know, the pitchers are getting the PFP. Uh, because you have a new catcher with Sean Murphy, there's going to be a, a, you know, a, a real opportunity for guys to get familiar with him and how he calls a game behind the plate and so on and so forth. But yeah, really until maybe the first or second week of March, just hope everybody's feeling good, shaking off the rust. Uh, it is nice to have the box score to take a look at at the end of the day for, you know, the next six weeks. But I'm, I'm in a similar boat where <laughs> it's just everyone stay healthy. I mean, I know like famously Jacob deGrom had some uh, soreness this week. And of course, Rangers Twitter and Mets Twitter were both melting because he is a guy who's had a lengthy injury history. And we're going to talk about Mike Soroka here in a minute. But um yeah, it's uh, just everybody stay healthy. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and before we get to uh, Soroka, who you just talked about, uh, I think you had this note that we're uh, we're forty days away from opening day. That sounds right to me yeah. at this point. Uh, that's a long time, but not, but also not a long time. So we're all we're all going to be holding our breath. We're going to have tons of content between now and then. We'll have we'll have our normal like position you know section previews and things like that, and we'll cover spring training. But forty days is uh honestly. I'm not, I'm not sure that clicked with me until I saw it on the doc that you added. So thank you for putting it on my radar. And also 40 days. Here we are. Yeah. Opening series in Washington, DC. If uh, I swear, man, every time Atlanta goes to Washington, there's <laughs> always a rain delay and they did. I mean, I always, I think everyone rolls their eyes at the day off after opening day, which the Braves have this year, but knowing that weather, I, I mean, I, I understand it. Um, but yeah, well, let, let's hope there's no snow that weekend because end of March in DC, that that can be questionable. I will say, I believe, and this is something we talked about before. I think baseball did it this year. Yeah, they did. I'm just checking this now. Baseball set it up this year where every team plays on the same day to open in the season. It's the 30th of March. 
Nice. All 30 teams play. And that doesn't usually happen. As, as weird as that sounds, opening day is not usually for every single team, but there's no game before, there's no game after. Everybody plays that first day, provided, as you said, the rain cooperates in Washington, D.C. Wouldn't it be very on brand if the only game to get postponed that day was the Braves? But uh, we'll see yeah. Yeah. at this point. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. But uh, to the baseball diamond now. And uh, we should say his name is now Michael Soroka, which I know you noticed. People might, may not know this. I, I will definitely call him Mike again. I will forget that. So my apologies already to Michael Soroka. But he wants to go by Michael at this point. Uh, this is a reference that will be lost on you, Scott. There is a NBA head coach named Mike Malone who uh, went by Mike Malone for a long time. And then just decided one day he had to be Michael and like he is belligerent with it now. Like if anyone calls him Mike in a press conference, he will he will just like very angrily correct them and say Michael. And I'm hoping Soroka doesn't do that. Wow. I'm sure someone <laughs> in the media is going to mess up and call him Mike in the coming days. But there yeah. you go. Michael is uh, he seems like the most chill dude on earth. Yeah, I can't imagine him doing that. <laughs> I can't imagine Michael. I got to keep practicing it. I can't imagine Michael Soroka being like actually mad and angry. So um yeah, that is funny. I actually have heard of Mike slash Michael Malone. I'll have you know. It's not that you wouldn't have heard of him, but I know you're not dialed in necessarily on the, on the NBA beyond your, uh, although this is the first year in a long time that your uh, pseudo favorite team, Sacramento Kings, are pretty good, actually. My, so. I am a huge Sacramento Kings fan for all of our list. No, no one cares. Uh, <laughs> 20 <laughs> years right. ago, they had Mike Bibby, and I liked Mike Bibby from his days at the University of Arizona, and they had those great teams, but I think that was also the last time Anybody cared about the Sacramento Kings, but it is cool to see them doing a little better. The actual team you care about, the Arizona Wildcats. There you go. Um, That's right. All right. So Soroka had a bit of a hiccup with some hamstring tightness this week. Um, He played catch a little bit after that. Um, You know, we, I think, have talked about a lot, like not having too high expectations when it comes to Soroka. Not because we don't love him, but because he hasn't pitched in a long time, at least at a high level. And, you know, there's a little bit of eggshells that have to go on here. But what did you make of the reaction? And also, was uh, is there anything more than just a reminder that he's uh, still not a guy that you can, like, full-blown rely on, even if we're all kind of hoping that he is? Yeah, I think with Soroka, again, he is coming back from something that is pretty unprecedented. From not only tearing his Achilles twice... But it's been, which is just crazy to think, Brad, the last time that Soroka was pitching regularly in the major leagues was the fall of 2019. I mean, that feels like a a different planet almost. Well, because it kind of of was, if you want to go down the COVID rabbit hole, that was pre-COVID, ladies and gentlemen. That's a long time ago. Yes. I mean, obviously in 2020 in the spring, they had spring training for maybe two weeks before the shutdown. He, of course, made maybe two starts before he got hurt. Did not pitch all of 2021, and I know he made a couple of rehab starts at the end of 2022, although, of course, a very big difference from pitching in the majors every five days to throwing 45 pitches in a rehab start. Um, I think the Braves, smartly, are going to be very careful with Soroka, kind of like how they brought along Ronald Acuna Jr. last year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if – I mean, look, man, it's February. And we know it's a long season. And at the end of the day, Mike's sorry, Michael's uh, health is is the most important. <laughs> and if, if they hold him back a few days, maybe they have him open up the year in Gwinnett. As we know, the Braves are going to have very important games in August, September, October. And if it means you have to be careful with him now, with the hopes of having him when the games mean something, you, you have to do it. Yeah, and. 
you know, we, we've got into it a little bit. We'll do more on it in the future, but there is this battle going on for the fifth spot and Sirk is part of it. Um, he's not the only part of it. And uh, just to say on our once per podcast reference, they need more than five starters and he'll be part of that mix. You know, Bowman talking about how he'll might probably open the season in Gwinnett. It's not a surprise to me anyway. And sort of not to say it's a counteracted or, a, you know, it's a, it's a different weight, but Ian Anderson has is having the positive buzz cycle right now, which I'm sure you've probably noticed, even though you are far away. Um, you know, his, his delivery has been the focus, uh, both by what he said and what other people have said, Brian Snicker, et cetera, about the cleaning up of the delivery. And how Anderson said it's actually sort of in a bad spot delivery-wise. Last time he was pitching before the oblique strain that ended his season last year. Also, he's apparently added a slider to the resume. So that'll be interesting. I see how he sort of operates, but everyone is saying the right things on Anderson. And it is worth remembering that Ian Anderson is still a very young man. I know he's kind of had the whole cycle of, you know, big time prospect followed by, you know, obviously the postseason postseason success and then uh, having some pretty shaky regular season performances. And then last year falling off kind of a cliff and being in the minors most of the season, but he's 24 years old. Like this is a guy who's not, should should not be, not be crossed off. And between Anderson and Bryce Elder, they have some pretty intriguing stuff there before you even get to Colby Allard and Soroka, et cetera. But, um, you know, Anderson, I just, I think it's pretty notable, at least what I'm reading between the lines and the coverage, both from the writers, what everybody's saying on the record, they seem to be pretty encouraged by what Ian is doing. And again, it's mid-February, but having a guy that has his talent, which he's always had as a former top five pick in the draft, um, if he's got it going, that's uh, a spot of potential intrigue. It is. And I posed the question earlier this week, if you gave 20 starts to Ian Anderson and 20 starts to Bryce Elder, who would have the better season? And I think it's a fair question. And as you you mentioned a minute ago, I would bet pretty good money that both Elder and Anderson find themselves in the Braves' rotation at some point this year. Um, I mean, if if the big four want to all stay remarkably healthy and make 32 starts apiece, I mean, the Braves, it may not matter who's the fifth starter because they're going to be so good. But inevitably, there's going to be an injury. A guy's going to need some time. Um, you know, Anderson, it, it's it's easy to forget, as you said. I mean, the guy threw five no-hit innings in the World Series. He's clearly talented. His strikeout rate has gone the wrong way since his debut in 2020 his walk rate really was elevated last year which was a concern for ian through the minor leagues it was almost like sean newcomb maybe not as dramatic but the whole question was was he going to be able to throw enough strikes in the majors to be a successful starter and and then finally you mentioned he he's added a slider that's always been for me the one key to really unlock him as a frontline or even middle of the rotation starter you know, we know the fastball is okay. It doesn't move a ton. The changeup, when it's anywhere near the zone, is really good, especially when he has command of the fastball to work off of. But in today's era of baseball, where hitters have so much information when they step into the box, if you don't have that third pitch, it is really, really tough to get through a second and third time. And it seemed like every week, Brad, we would do a podcast last year and we would talk that Ian was pretty good through the first three, four, maybe five innings. And then the third time through would seemingly fall apart in an instant. And what was a otherwise solid appearance turned into five runs over six innings. And it just didn't look nearly as good as what it could have been. Yeah. And that's been the experience with Ian Anderson for a while, but um, even if, and look, I, I am generally skeptical 
just because he's never done it in the regular season for a wide sample. Obviously, the playoff numbers are incredible. I- I've never seen him as a as an ace potential guy, even though he you know was drafted that way. I still think that there's a lot of room for him to be a quality you know three four kind of starter in the future if he gets it together because the arm is live and he is still pretty young. Like Zips has him as like a guy with an ERA and a low fours. I think you'd have to take that with whoever is in that spot this year, whether it's Anderson, Elder, et cetera. So I don't know. I'm encouraged. I don't want to overstate it. I haven't seen, I haven't seen him pitch neither of you, at least in the spring so far, unless you have a, a hidden camera that I'm going to wear of in bullpens down there in Northport, Scott. But um, until we see him, it's a question, but, sh- but I, I do trust the buzz that's out of there a little bit. Um, yeah. there's, there's no reason to just like fabricate it necessarily. So <laughs> Snip, Snip was talking about pretty good, pretty good. And that's uh, encouraging to see as a uh, sort, of, sort of a point of reference with uh, 40 days to go until the season actually begins. All right, Scott, we have more to get to on today's podcast, but first a word from our sponsors on the show today. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Scott, let us move to uh, the always entertaining topic of arbitration and arbitration fallout. Max Fried lost his case against the Braves, uh, which means the Braves pay him less. That's a very normal thing that happens in baseball. Um, And we got a lot of questions about that. Um, He got asked about it as well with some extension talks built in in the media. I saw the whole interview, but I'm going to read the quote to you now that Max gave He's about extensions, I should say. He said, me and the team have always had good dialogue. We've, we've been able to have good, good communication. I really love my time here and I love the team. So if that is something that comes to the table, it's something that we'll talk about. End quote. Uh, Scott, I am going to just tell you, I don't think that the Braves are going to extend Max Fried. I kind of never have. But obviously, this is a good sign and that he's saying the right things. And also, um, I guess people can f- not freak out about Max Fried losing his, ar- his arb case and make the make the case that because the Braves won their arb case instead of just paying him more that they have uh, ruined his re- relationship. Are, are we there? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful that Max said the right thing. Now, behind closed doors, I'm not going to speculate on how Max feels about his relationship with the Braves. 
Um, I believe either the day before or the day after it came out about Freed losing his case, Corbin Burns, the Milwaukee Brewers ace, who is, I believe, also a free agent in two years, had the exact opposite to say of what Freed did. And if you missed what Corbin Burns said, I mean, it was bad. I mean, he was talking about how I will say like it was honestly, you say that I I want people to actually go look this up and listen to it because I'm going to let you finish. But I want to just note this. This is the outlier. I think every I think there are fans that think that like every player feels this way. Whereas like this is the exception to the rule. Like Corbin Burns went like scorched earth in a way that I had never heard any player do. I don't think for arbitration, it was actually kind of stunning to me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he was even talking Again, go listen to it if you didn't. But I mean, even at like a personal level, like how he had to fly across country on Valentine's Day to deal with this and then lose the case and hear why he's not worth another $750,000. I mean, it was like front page headline stuff. It was, I think, the lead story on ESPN.com during the middle of the week or at least on the sidebar. So thankfully... Max Freed, whether he feels similarly or not. And again, I don't have any reason to think he feels that way. Um, You know, he said the right things. It avoided a potential PR disaster because I'm sure the front office in Milwaukee was dying, as as you said, uh, before (laughs) Burns went scorched earth. Um, But at the end of the day, Max is under contract for two more years. It's worth reminding folks that Austin Riley went through the exact same process last year. And he signed the biggest deal in franchise history about four months later. Whether or not Max signs long-term, we'll see. I mean, there's still two years to get something done. Um, But I know arbitration is just kind of one of those weird things. I think some fans understand it and others don't. It's a whole process. I personally would like to see it gone just altogether. uh, But I'm guessing that's something we'll have to wait until the next CBA to figure out. Yeah, and even that, it's just it's so entrenched that I have a hard time. I'm with you. I think it's just a it's a weird process that doesn't have to be this way. But that's what they've agreed on through CBA negotiations for a very long time. So we'll see. Like I think that clearly it would cost them top dollar to extend Max Free, and I think that neither one of us would be upset about that. I think Max Free is a bona fide top 10, 12 pitchers in, in all of baseball. Like he's been proven to be that good. So paying that guy, that's totally fine. You know, there's always more risk with pitchers than there are with, with, with position players, but that's sort of uh, just the reality of it. And maybe that's part of this too. But I, uh, you know, as we talked about last week with Zach Dillard, they're just a different team if they don't have Max Freed on it, which is obviously a very clear um, non uh not surprising statement, but it's one of those things where he's so valuable to them. You start thinking about what happens down the line. If they don't lock him up to an extension, you know, the odds are at that point, if you go through the baseline of, you know, of history, if he reaches free agency, I think it's more likely than not that he would leave. And that's just the reality. And I think they probably know that too. It doesn't mean they couldn't keep that they couldn't keep him, but guys, you know, Freddie Freeman's obviously a recent example. Davis Swanson is a recent, recent example. Um, these guys don't generally end up staying if they get all the way to free agency. And uh, that's kind of why the, the clock is ticking a little bit. But, I mean, it wouldn't be cheap now. They, they've waited long enough now where there's no discount happening. Like They're going to have to pay him a lot of money to get him secured. And that's okay, but it's just the reality. Like, there's no uh, – I think we've, we've crossed the point of the threshold where one of those typical uh, on-brand extensions that the Braves love would would work here. Like, that's not there, – there's no uh, no bargain-based deal coming, I don't think. No. Street. No, there's not. And it would cost, I think, 
Carlos Rodon signed this six-year, $162 million deal with the Yankees this winter. You know, I think that's probably fair. I mean, Rodon has been as good as any pitcher on the planet the last two seasons. I'm sure with two years of arbitration left, would would Max Fried say yes to a six-year, $162 million deal? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. He's also a West Coast guy, which seems to get brought up like every single day when talking about him. So (laughs) why not bring it up again on this podcast? Maybe he wants to get back on the West Coast. I don't know. But um, nonetheless, the Braves have him for two more years. Let's hope it doesn't get to a point where, I mean, I love Max Fried. I think he's just such a joy to watch pitch. He throws strikes. He has the wicked stuff from the left side. Let's hope they're able to work out a deal. And again, just because you go to arbitration with a guy does not mean that they're automatically not signing a deal. Like we, we saw it with Austin Riley, and we've seen it many times before that. Agreed. And there you go on that topic. Um, the last couple things here, one is baseball related, one is not, but also it's like experience related. And it's that in the last few days, the Braves announced that uh, Brandon Godden is going to be taking over as the TV, as a TV play-by-play guy. For the Braves over, uh, at least for right now, at Bally, Bally Sports South, Southeast. I know we're, there's a whole different rabbit hole there with regard to Bally and Sinclair and not, not, not Sinclair, Diamond Sports, my apologies, and uh, you know all those machinations. But for now, uh, Godin is well-known to me, but I, I did realize in reading some of the comments that people didn't, don't necessarily know who he is. Um, he read a, uh, he sort of put together a very nice thread on Twitter about being a lifelong Braves fan. Um, he was also the voice of Georgia Tech. For a few years back in 2013, and he's actually lived in Atlanta since then. So he's like, you know, a 10 year Atlanta resident. He's been working mostly at Fox, a Big Ten network, does some football, does some baseball, does some basketball. He's still going to stay there, it, it appears. He tweeted about that the other day. And also he's he's well known to a certain segment of the audience as the voice of the Madden football games the last few years. So that's pretty interesting as well. I will say this as someone who is a sports media nerd. This is a very good hire. Uh, I was um, not sure what the market was going to be for the Braves, considering they're trying to make a hire in February preseason and a tough spot to be doing that. But um, honestly, you know, there were other guys discussed. Tom Hart would have been good as well. But Brandon Godden is uh, certainly a very good hire in my mind for, especially when you factor all, but even, you know, regardless of when they hired Brandon Godden, it would have been a good hire in my opinion. So we'll see. I've only heard him call a few baseball games. I saw some highlights that were being um, circulated from Braves fans that went and found them on YouTube. Uh, all positive stuff there. And uh, I, I would just, th- I would just throw this in there as someone who has a little bit of inside knowledge here. Uh, apparently he's beloved by folks behind the scenes, which is not, not a small thing, especially in baseball when you're dealing with, a long season every single day um, to have your sort of the voice of your, of your organization in some way. I know he's not like a Braves employee technically, but um, you could certainly argue that, you know, he's the, he becomes the number one employee for Bally sports Southeast. I mean, that's, it's a very kind of a weird thing to say, but it's, it's also true. Um, the Braves TV play-by-play person is the highest profile employee of that company, at least in this region. And that is now someone who they have to sort of invest in. And uh, long story short, I've heard a lot of good things about Brennan Godden. So anything you want to add, feel free, Scott. I know you're not in the same spot, but obviously you have to listen to him on MLB TV. So you'll be hearing a lot of him as well. That's right. Yeah. And not to repeat everything you just said, I would echo all of it. Um, The fact that he is so well-regarded behind the scenes is really nice to hear because, uh, spoiler alert, in that industry, not everybody is a joy to work with. There are a ton of big egos and high stress. So the fact that he is a good dude on top of being a good play-by-play announcer, um, if you search Brandon's name and then um, baseball on YouTube, there's like a 20-minute compilation of him calling major league games. 
I think he was getting some of the FS1, uh, like midweek national telecasts, maybe even some of the weekend games. I'm not sure if he did a Braves game or not last year, but there's 20 minutes. It sounded really good, good energy. He's a young guy. He's 39 years old. So if he's, you know, if, if he's happy and the relationship is good and hopefully, um, you know, there, there's able to be that continued stability in the booth, um, all the better. So, yeah, his thread on Twitter about being a lifelong Braves fan was really, really cool. I had a great, um, I think, a photo of a letter he wrote to maybe Skip back in like the yeah. 90s. And Skip being who he was responded, which is just awesome. Um, so, yeah, just just. Uh, a fan of the hire. I'm glad to hear that, as you noted, well-regarded behind the scenes. And uh, he is, I mean, it, it is the voice. It's who people associate with teams whenever they see highlights. Um, you know, especially the good ones are just known so well from, from across uh, baseball fans, whenever they hear it, I did see in an article, I believe the, you might know his name, Brad, the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play uh, -play guy applied for the job. Hmm. Um, I believe the LA Angels play-by-play -play guy also interviewed. I know Tom Hart was mentioned. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as as we kind of suspected, it was a good national search for one of the best broadcasting gigs in the sport. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is. And that's a rabbit hole will not go down now, but it is worth just remembering how big of a job it is in baseball circles. I mean, there are are there five jobs in calling baseball games that are better than this one? I would probably say maybe not. I mean, you're fact, obviously your Fox national job is the number one because that's that calls the world series. You're, you know, some of those ESPN jobs, but as far as local teams, you could say maybe the Yankees on yes. Um, whoever's doing Dodgers games, which I think is Joe Davis still now, like there's, there's maybe a couple team broadcasters, but given the reach of the Braves, which is really national, especially Southeast, but even national, it's a massive job. And I'm not surprised they had a lot of interest from qualified people. I never thought they were going to be in a, in a, in a bad spot to hire. It just that was the weird timing and people are locked into contracts and just the way it all happened, but certainly a, a good spot to be in. And I am, uh, I won't say I'm surprised, but I'm certainly uh, pleased if I have to just, you know, obviously we all, we, all have, we all have to watch and listen to baseball every day as diehards and people that check this stuff out on a daily basis and uh, having a good voice there that you appreciate is not a small thing. All right. Last thing it's time to uh, do our annual fun of poking fun at the Pakota projections. Scott, uh, I will say they're not as bad as they have been in the past, <laughs> but uh, this is one of those. I I'm actually, I usually defend projections because fans don't necessarily know what they are and what they do. And every team, every, every fan thinks their team is too low in projections. And I totally get that. Um, but Pakoda, I think earned a little bit of scorn for four years, I think maybe in a row of being like just comically too low on the Braves. They were more reasonable last year, but um, this year, again, they are not number one in the NLE, which, which is defensible, I will say. Um, there are people who I think are smart who would probably pick the Mets in the, in the National League East. I, I'm going to pick the Braves, I'm pretty sure, in a couple of weeks. But it's not insane to have the Braves behind the Mets. But uh, given the, the record of Pakoda, I thought it was pretty funny. And uh, predictably, the reactions were swift. Yeah. Um <laughs> just, I, can hear, just, I, I can hear it in your voice scott you're excited yeah, about this topic. no <laughs> yeah pakoda for those who don't know it's from i believe baseball reference no baseball prospectus baseball prospectus excuse yes. me um yeah i mean could the braves win 92 games this year sure it's going to be the more balanced schedule i would assume that's something that would probably help the braves the fact that they're going to play 
some of those teams in the AL more so than the, the Mets and the Phillies in particular, you know, could this team win nine fewer games than they did a year ago? Sure. Could the Mets win the division? Sure. I mean, could the Phillies win the division? I, I think so. I mean, I think pretty comfortably I would take both Atlanta and New York over Philly at this point. Maybe once they get Bryce Harper, they they will get that boost. Although I think Bryce isn't expected back after having Tommy John until the summertime. Um, yeah. I mean, projections are a funny thing. If, if you're getting super upset by them, um, in Vegas, I believe the Braves are tied for the highest win projection of anybody. And Fangraphs has the Braves projected for the most wins. They have the Braves at 93 wins, which is two more than anybody else, which is a little surprising to me. But we'll take it. Projections are a funny thing. Every year there's a team projected to win 90 and they win 76, like the Chicago White Sox last year. And then there's always a team as well that's projected to win 60 games and they win 76 games like the Baltimore Orioles did. So it's all it's all good fun, something to talk about. Um, but yeah, we gotta we gotta talk to somebody at baseball prospectus because every year they're low on the Braves for whatever reason. Uh yeah, and it was closer last year. So like I think that was a nice step in the right direction. They were, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, they were I think yeah, they were they were it, it was a tie in the projections between the Braves and the Mets last year. They were too low on both teams, but they were at least projected to tie for the division lead. But I think this is uh, this is from Chris, I believe, in a previous article. In 2018, the Braves won 14 more games than projected at Pocota. 2019, it was 12 games more, and then five games more in a 60 game season in 2020. So it's been pretty low. Uh, you, you brought up Vegas. I will just throw in. I just pulled this up quickly while we we're talking. Uh, this is just Fanduel's uh, odds, but Fanduel has the Braves over under at 95 and a half wins, which is uh, a more market. Um, sort of market-centered number. I think the Braves are going to be somewhere in that range for most people. So that's obviously, you know, three and a half, four wins above the Pocota projection. I think you're going to see that plus the World Series odds. I'll probably do a little bit of a segment at some point between now and opening day on the Vegas odds because that's that's kind of what, what I do. But needless to say, the market's pretty high on the Braves. We're pretty high on the Braves. 92, I think we would both take, have the over on that. I don't want to speak for you, Scott, but I think you probably an over on, that, on 92 wins yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, I think so. so. There you I mean, is is there a path where the Braves don't have as good of a year as we're hoping for? Sure. Sure. I mean, injuries is really the main thing and you can't predict injuries no matter how much you think you can without fail. Um, you know, you just, you just can't predict those things, but yeah, I mean this, this roster, I know it sounds like maybe when we talk about the roster, we're nitpicking at positions like shortstop and left field, but the reason is because there's nowhere else to nitpick quite honestly. I mean, the bullpen is set, the top four in the rotation is set, the one through seven in the lineup is really, really good. I would argue it's the best in the sport if Ronald Acuna Jr. is all the way back. Um, but, you know, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's a computer making these projections. There's not some guy sitting behind a screen going, oh, we're going to mess with the Braves fans today. Let me send these. Send Craig, these out. <laughs> Craig Goldstein, show your face. No, I'm kidding. Craig actually did. I, uh, who is, he, runs, he runs BP and uh, is a very smart funny guy. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I think it was last year. I want to say he got, he kind of got in front of it and was like, look guys, we all know that we get made fun of for being too on the Braves and uh, they own the numbers, but it's not like even he who was in charge of the site is just like blindly backing Pakota. Like he was like, I'm higher on the Braves than Pakota is. So this, this is last year. I think it was. So I think everyone kind of knows it's kind of one of those funny things and you kind of try to figure out why it is or uh, what they don't like about what the Braves do or whatever. But at the end of the day, even quote unquote, the lowest system on the Braves has them essentially, you know, 
as a very, very strong playoff team with a good chance to make a run. And if, if that's as low as it is on your on your favorite team, you're probably in pretty good shape. Well, I think it was Zips a few weeks ago when you and I talked, and Zips is very high on the Braves, so it mm-hmm. is what it is. Well, and in that interview that Anthopolis did with Buster Only this week, you know, he talked about the NL East and how difficult it's going to be to compete with New York and Philadelphia for 162. You know, and he also noted, and this is not breaking news to any listeners or Braves fans, but the Braves have won the division five years in a row, and they have advanced out of the first round two times. And famously, in in 2021, the worst team that they've fielded, at least in terms of wins and losses, um, (laughs) won the World Series. And the best that they had uh, in this run got smoked by Philadelphia. Uh, we don't have to tell longtime listeners of the podcast just how random and silly things can get in postseason and in October. But even Anthopolis said, look, the goal is to set out and win the division. We want to win it every single year. But if you don't win the division, it is not like your season is over. And uh, I think we all know better than anyone, if you have the right formula in October and you have a team that's playing well and most importantly is healthy, we saw the Braves just dominate for four months and what happens, but Max Freed gets that really bad flu bug like a week before the season ended. Strider blows his oblique, and all of a sudden, what should have been a winnable series went sideways in a hurry. We want to win the East. It would be awesome to win it six years in a row, especially in this modern era where nobody really wins divisions like that. But there are more things to play for than just the division title. That is uh, certainly the case. And to your point, you know, the Dodgers have easily the longest division winning streak since the Braves streak ended, and they won eight in a row before losing to the Giants. And even then, that was a Dodgers team that won 106 games that had the streak broken. They won 106 games that didn't win the division. <laughs> so and, uh, the, the one and only World Series came in the 60-game season where A.J. Minter was starting playoff games. So, you know. And they played in front of no fans for half of the playoffs. It's just, it's a both beautiful and cruel sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's also two different sports. Regular season baseball and playoff baseball are almost not yes. the same sport. So absolutely, it's part of the beauty and also part of the frustration. Okay, well, that's going to be it for us on this relatively shorter episode for us to like 40 minutes long because we can't help ourselves. But we'll have plenty of content coming. We will do our typical uh, previews of the bullpen and previews of the rotation and the lineup and the and the rest of the National League East because we know that uh, while a lot of you are every single episode listeners, we do have some folks that don't always dive in every single time and they want to kind of get ready for the season a little bit. So we'll be a little bit more big picture on some of these episodes coming up, plus the latest on this, this the spring training developments and who's playing well, who's not playing well, injuries position battles, all that stuff. We'll have all of that coming up in the future. So please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. That includes Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and Overcast and Google Play. We should be all those places. If we're not somewhere that you like to listen to podcasts, let me know. I will try to get that fixed in the near future. Scott, please plug what you have going on. I know it's a lot of Arizona basketball right now, but what else is happening? All right. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Brad, for all of America. Who wins the NCAA tournament this year? Oh, sweet Lord. Uh, speaking of random things, uh, some, some of them like playoff baseball. Um, uh, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Uh, I will give you, I'll take UCLA right now. 
<laughs> just, I'm, I'm kidding. I just, you I just, did I just, not just. <laughs> I just wanted to make you mad. No, they're they're actually quite good, but I just wanted to yeah. see what your reaction was yeah. going to be. Um, honestly, I would probably pick Houston, and I hate it. So there you go. Yeah, they play. I mean, they're a good team. They play a brutal style of basketball to watch. They they, they do, and the only uh, and now we're off the rail, which is fine. We're off the rails. Yeah. The podcast is over. But I will say the the team with the highest upside in the country is Alabama. Alabama, if they agree. make if they if they make shots, you aren't beating Alabama. It's just yep. the fact that if they don't make shots, they can lose to anybody, which is kind of yes. tough. But uh, they're, is, they're really good. Yeah, I know we're off the rails. This, to me, feels like the most unconventional college basketball season we have had in years. Yeah, like I agree. All of the the super alphas, the Dukes, the Carolina, the Kentucky, you know, they're all down. Kansas is really good again. Um, but, you know, and then even like the the second tier of really good teams are kind of hit and miss. So it's it is fascinating to have Houston and Bama and Purdue and teams like that, maybe not traditional superpowers in the college basketball world being so heavily favored. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing like March Madness for my I mean, obviously, big sports fan. We love it. Take, take those three weeks in March over any other sporting event in the world. Yeah, I, I will say and we'll get out of here, I promise, because people probably throw the podcast off already. I think there are. are legitimately 12 14 yeah. teams that can win the championship this year like it's it's a long list because of the fact that there isn't that you know even those two or three great teams um in the past i think we, we would have probably had a much shorter much shorter list this year like i'm looking at kempom right now i get down to like i think baylor could win it they're 14th at kempom yeah they win the championship i think they probably could um so like it's pretty uh pretty interesting and we'll have more on that in the future because you and I can't help ourselves, but we'll always do it at the end of the podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast and you, and you, and you hate college basketball, we'll save it for the, for the very end. If we go there, you can just, you can just sign off. We appreciate your support. There we go. Bonus, <laughs> yeah, bonus podcast. The, the, the March madness preview podcast. We'll someone wants that. Actually, I feel like last year, somebody asked for that and they were being serious. They're like, Hey, we, we want We want you and Scott to talk about just basketball. I'm like, even well, we, if, could, we could do that on Patreon or something, but I don't know. even if you're not like a diehard college hoops listener, I mean, it's just such a great event. And then you have the office pools. It's on, especially that first, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games on from, you know, noon until midnight. It's just such a great event. It's just so much fun to watch. And yeah, I'm, I'm all in looking forward to it. You always are my friend. All right. Well, follow Scott on Twitter at Scott 55 for all of his plays and takes. Follow me if you'd like to as well at BT Roland, follow the show and the site. And uh, we should also say as always, BatteryPower.com is a great place to read content as well as listen to it and watch it, etc. But the site is on Twitter at BatteryPowerSBN. One more time, one more plea, I should say, to subscribe to the show. Ratings, reviews, nice comments are always appreciated. Tell a friend about the show as well. If you know a Braves fan or two or three in your life that have not found the podcast, share it with them. Hopefully they will enjoy it as well. But we do appreciate all the support and all of that. But thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you all next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. 
Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.